Hello, this is Pastor Daniel Cruz. Thank you so much for downloading our podcast. I enjoy spending this time with you, and I hope that this blesses you. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Praise God. I know you're exhausted from last night. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. well, trying to be nice today. All right. Um, how many of you were authentically blessed last night? Amen. Uh, normally, uh, because we have to kind of not rush out, but we're time sensitive. Um, normally, what I would do is I usually give people an opportunity like to testify because things happen. Things happen last night, you know, um, but can't do it today. But here's what I want you to do. Um, those of you that had received authentic breakthrough, when you know that deliverance happened, you know, and you felt the, the demonic, the demons leaving or some stuff happened, I want you to make sure you reach out to... Uh, your spiritual parents um, and explain to them so that way they can hear the testimonies of how the deliverance ministry um, of the Code Red Conference um, was a blessing and then they can incorporate uh, in the future, maybe next week or something, uh, some testimonies, you know, and I'm going to tell you why. Because deliverance isn't finalized until you testify. You know, even the woman with the issue of blood had to speak. All right? Jesus could have did the humble thing, you know, and just said, oh, I felt virtue go. Who was it? Oh, her. Let her keep going. He said, oh, who touched me? The Bible says uh, she had to talk. And then what did he say? He said, woman, go home. You're fully whole. All right? So um, it is absolutely imperative that your deliverance uh, gets shared uh, with your, your pastors and inspired. And I'm going to tell you, inspire others. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, one, your deliverance is finalized. Um, and not everybody got a breakthrough last night. There's still some people trying to fight their way, fight their way through. Why? Well, some people, um, their breakthrough um, is not in a clinic, it's in surgery. Yesterday was not surgery. Yesterday was emergency room. Some of you need one-on-one -on -one deliverance to really go through, and I, and I get it. And I'm aware that um, um, as when you go to an emergency room, you want it to be f fully fixed there. And then the doctor there tells you, well, and here's a prescription. You need to go see this doctor because I think there's some surgery that needs to be required. Your issue is a little bit more than an emergency room can handle. Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm aware of that. I'm aware that. We, we, come to, we come to services and we have these, God, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And, and um, I'm just here to tell you that for some of you, your case is too detailed to be handled in one altar call. You need somebody to walk you through some stuff and get fully, fully broken through. You know? So I want to encourage you and to let you know that I'm aware that some, maybe one or two of you didn't get a breakthrough and, you, and you're discouraged. I get it because I've been there. You know, we come through with these expectations and, and, and it's not because God didn't want to set you free. It's because your particular disease requires surgery, not medicine. Did you catch it? Give Jesus a great round of applause. All right. I know what it's like to come to a deliverance conference and do this. I didn't feel anything, all right? I know what it's like to go to a conference and be like, man, I didn't feel anything. Why didn't, it, why didn't God touch me like this? It's because your case is a, is a bit different. And um, what you're dealing with, and we're going to get into that uh, this morning, is um, um, some of you are, the Bible calls us trees, right? Trees of righteousness. A tree has layers. And right now we have to keep, going through the layers to get actually to, to the root cause of uh, what you're dealing with. So um, make sure you reach out to your spiritual parents. We've already discussed, according to him, I'm throwing it out there so that way he has to do it, all right? He already threw out for me to come yearly to this house to be able to do deliverance conferences, amen. Now you got to do it, man of God. Trying to come back. <laughs> amen. But 
make sure you let him know all of the testimonies, all of the testimonies. And whatever that was shared that you didn't fully understand, I'm sure that they'll help break it, break it down. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you today a little bit about confronting the demons attached to your last name. I'm going to be dealing with generational curses. I'm going to kind of go a little bit in. I want you to take some notes if you can. If you find the right law, Satan has to release you. If you find the right law, L-A-W, the curse has to release you. Deliverance is not a religious experience. It is a legal exchange. And if you find the right law, the curse has to release you. The only way you can uh, get rid of a law is not by reversal. There's no such thing as reverse the curse. Why? Because the curse is not a demon. The curse is instituted by the courtroom of heaven. A curse was initiated by God. When a believer violates the dictates of the courtroom of heaven, the system produces an edict, and now it's heaven fighting against a family, not the devil. That is why you can remove a demon through deliverance. But deliverance doesn't reverse the curse. The way you reverse the curse is one law has to dominate another law. The reason why that has to be is reversing the curse makes God look like he was wrong in instituting the curse from the beginning. That is why God cannot reverse the devil after the devil sinned. Did you catch it? Because then that will prove he made a mistake in creating the devil. So what does God do when the devil messed up? He creates another law, and one law dominates a lesser law. You cannot reverse a curse, but you can revoke a curse. All right, I'm going to help explain that a little uh, a little bit later, all right? That is why the Bible says it was an evil spirit from the Lord that attacked King Saul. It doesn't say an evil spirit from hell. It says an evil spirit from the Lord. When God wanted to get rid of Ahab, what does the Bible say in 1 Kings 22? It says, Micaiah said, I saw deliberation in the courtroom of heaven. And there was a lot of ideas of how to get rid of Ahab. Watch this. Of how to get rid of Ahab because Ahab was legal. You couldn't get rid of someone legal of rank because then it, it's a violation of the whole system. That is why God says, touch not my anointed. Why? Because it's the rank and the office that's protecting the person. So when God wanted to get rid of Ahab, he couldn't just get rid of Ahab. He had to find a legal way to get rid of Ahab. And the Bible says an evil spirit came up and said, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And then God said, you go and you do that. And then the curse became, and then we see, we see Ahab's demise. So the way God got rid of Ahab was he had to decree a law. He said, you shall get rid of Ahab and he shall die. He had to decree one law dominating another law. The same is in breaking a generational, a generational curse. Genesis chapter 4, verse, quickly, New Living Translation, all right? I'm sorry, that's, that's my favorite version. I flow with it well, okay? You know, New Living Translation, Genesis uh, chapter 4, all right? Genesis chapter 4, all right? Genesis chapter 4, okay, New, I'm going to follow you on the screen, so make sure you guys have the, the New Living Translation. It's, it's going to take me some time to kind of. Kind of find it. Okay. Genesis chapter 4, starting uh, with, with verse 
with verse 5. Watch this. All right. Look what it says. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. All right. And he did not accept Cain and his offering. This made Cain very angry and dejected. Next verse. Watch this. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked him. Why are you look so dejected? Keep going. You will be accepted if you do. You will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, but you must subdue it. Next verse. Later Cain suggested to his brother, Abel, let's go out into the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked and killed his brother. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain retorted. Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? Next verse. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The question I have is, what was his blood saying from beyond the grave? That's my question. What was the dialogue between Abel's blood and God? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 24. Look at this. Thank you, Father. Look at this. It says, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So the blood of Abel from beyond the grave was asking God for vengeance. Do you see what I'm saying? So from beyond the grave, the blood was still asking God to harm someone from beyond the grave. Now watch this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 6 verse 9. So Abel's blood spoke to God and was asking God for vengeance for what was happened to him. All right. Now look at this. How does this apply in the New Testament? Look at this. Revelation chapter, chapter 6. Look at this. Headed somewhere, watch this. Look at this. Let me flesh this out for you. Revelation chapter 6, look at this. Uh, starting with verse 9. Now, this is future tense, which means this hasn't happened yet. So, this lets me know that if it hasn't happened yet, then generational curses still exist. They haven't ceased because of the cross. The power of a generational curse has been broken, but not its presence. The cross breaks the power of sin, not sin's presence. Let me say that again. Because the theologians will argue with me saying, he became a curse who knew no curse, and therefore... Curses does not exist. But then we have a problem because the Bible also says he became sin, but we still sin. So when Jesus took on sin, he broke the power of sin, but not his presence. 
When Jesus became the curse, he broke the power of the curse, but not his presence. Now we find that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, because he said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, right? And if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive you of your sin, and that's where we stop. We don't read the rest of the verse. It says, for, and it says, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the curse. Wait a second, wait a second. Okay, so when you ask God to forgive you of your sin, he is faithful and just. Okay, notice how that is, is not relational. It's legal. Faithful and just to do what? Forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from the source that's fueling your sin. Or to break the power of the curse that's giving the devil legal right to make you sin in that area. To forgive you and to do what? To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's where we mess up because we're so busy getting our sins forgiven, we haven't been cleansed from our curses. See? So, so, so the reason why you're, so, so this is what you're saying. You fast, you pray, and then you still mess it up on the 22nd day after the 21 days. You miss what I just said, right? You fast, you pray, God take this from me. God forgives you for messing up, but the thing is still there. Why? Because you have to appropriate also the severing of the curse that is fueling or giving you that predisposition of wanting to sin in that area. Now watch this. You're born with the curse. So you have to sever it in the courtroom. Watch this. Am I talking good? Okay. Now what does this do? What does this have to do with a name? Because when God looks at you, he's looking at your house. He's not looking at you. That's why the Bible says, I will curse the household of Ahab. So, this, so notice how the verse, how many of you ever read the verse where it says household, right? Notice how your house can hold you. It's called household, which means you're trying to move forward, but your house is, and I don't mean your living, I mean your bloodline. Not your living quarters. I'm talking about trying to move forward. Watch this. If I say Kennedy, what do you think? Calamity. When I say whinings, you think blessing. Right? Because all of them serve the Lord. Right? Why? Your house can either hold you or release you. All right? Now watch this. Look at this. Revelation chapter 6, verse, verse 9. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar all the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. Look at verse 10. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and do what? And avenge our blood for what they did to us. Notice, okay, watch this. The situation in your bloodline doesn't end after the troublemaker in your family dies. Let's say your great-grandfather used to rape, was raping everybody, okay? And when he dies, we cry, but we're relieved because we assume the problem is gone. The problem is not gone because even from beyond the grave, his blood is still... See? So that's why you get born and now you have a predisposition of wanting to sin in the same area. Which means when a person goes on, they're still talking. And they're still violating. All right? Okay, watch this. Okay, turn with me to Mark chapter 12. I'm headed somewhere. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 12. Watch this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mark 12. Okay, let me go to verse, Mark 12, verse 18. Mark 12, uh, Mark 12, verse, okay, verse um, 18. Look at this. Watch, watch this scenario. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees and re religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. It would have said, teacher, Moses gave us a what? Focus on, okay, so Moses gave us a what? A law. Watch this. <laughs> that if a man dies, leaving a wife without what? Children. Uh, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will do what? Carry the what? Carry the brother's name. Carry the brother's name. Okay? Carry the brother's name. Look at this. All right? So the law, so watch this. The law was all about what? A name. This whole law was not about, see, if you look at this relationally, you're thinking God is taking care of the child. Or God is saying, no, God is saying, God is saying, this whole situation here is about a law and how laws are connected to names. Watch this. Okay, watch this. All right? Let's well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. Verse 21. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died without children. Stop right there. Let me, let me, let me say something to you. If I was the third brother, if I was the third brother, hold up, Moses. The sec first brother died, coincidence. Second brother died, maybe intentional. If I was the third brother, Moses, I don't know if I want to marry that woman. Why? Why? Because two things are either happening here. She either has a generational curse of black widow. Or God is trying to destroy all the men in that family. One of the two things are happening here. Either... Anyone who marries her dies or God is trying to wipe out a name. See? See? God fights against certain families and that's why God in the Old Testament would say things like this. I'm going to wipe you and your descendants from the face of the earth and it's going to be as if you never existed. God is trying to wipe somebody out. See? 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 So, so, so. And then the Bible says, look at this. The third brother married her. And this continued all the way until every brother was dead, but that woman remained alive. Her issue was a curse of being a widow. Their curse was spirit of death was upon them. Watch this. And it was attached to what? A name. The whole issue was about the name. And God did not. One of the two things was happening. God was trying to make sure a name didn't continue. Leviticus chapter 24. Is this good? <laughs> Leviticus chapter 26. Thank you, Father. All right, look at this. Leviticus 
26. Hallelujah. Verse 24. Leviticus 24, verse 10. Watch this. One day, a man who had an Israelite mother, and what kind of father? An Egyptian father. Now, it's already given us the breakdown of bloodlines here. It didn't just say a man. It's actually giving you his spiritual, his physical pedigree. He said, Israelite mother, Egyptian father. Watch this. He came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the what? One of the Israelite men. Okay, notice how it doesn't say he got into a fight with one of his Egyptian side of the family. Watch this. During the fight, the son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord. Here's my question. Where did that blasphemy come from? Many of you are at, have you ever messed up and said to yourself, where did that come from? Have you ever cussed and you thought you got delivered from cussing? Have you ever acted up and you thought you got, have you ever acted in a way and you said to yourself, man, I thought I was delivered from that. Or have you ever acted in a way so out of character that you're saying, I never knew I even had that in me. Where, watch this, it's coming from somewhere. Watch this. What does God have to do with the fight? The issue is with a human being, and now he is blaspheming God. Which side of the family is the blasphemy coming from? It's not coming from his mother's side of the family. It is coming from his father's side of the family because the Bible says the Egyptians hate the Israelites. So though he came out of Egypt and they wandering in the wilderness, Egypt was still inside this man. Coming through where? Coming through the name of his father. That's this. And look what happened. Look what the verse says. Uh, look at this. During the fight, verse 11, the son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord with a what? With a curse. Right? So the man, look at this, was brought to Moses for judgment. Look at this. His mother's name was Shilomith the daughter of debris of the tribe of Dan. Notice how his mother already married into a mess. Because her name of her father that was coming down was debris. You missed it. And what is debris? Debris means junk, mess, right? When you say, man, the whole building was full of a lot of debris, which means there's a lot of clutter. Why? You know how I know that she married into a mess? Because no Israelite was supposed to marry an Egyptian. So watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. What you don't confront and correct in this generation will transfer to the next generation. So she got her man... But God was about to body her son. So she got the blessing. I survived this and then forgot all the mess that I made in the bloodline. And watch this. You barely escaped, but now your kids are dealing with. Have you ever, watch this. Have you ever told your kids, don't do something, and then you find that your children are acting the way you used to act when you was the same age, saying the same thing, liking the same guys, messing up, getting fired over the same jobs. What? What? Because the information is coming down. Watch this. When the Bible says, store up treasures in heaven, that's not bank account. That's your life story. When you store up treasures in heaven, it means this. Store up enough information in the courtroom of heaven that when they pull the file of your life, God can be able to bless you according to what's written in the books. See? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So look at this. Look at this. Am I talking good? Watch this. Look at this. I'm trying to help you understand how you could be so blessed 
and still feel like something's following you. Watch this. Look at this. With all this apostolic and prophetic, we should be on the next level. But we're still dealing with debris. Watch this. Watch this. Look at this. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 12. When you don't address the generational curses in your life, you could be free from Egypt, but still in custody. What did they do with the man? They kept him in custody. He's not in Egypt, thank God, but Egypt is following him. See, see, watch this. You could be free. Watch this. You could, you, you could not be in the world no more, but you could still be in a place of being in custody and stuck. Want to know why you're stuck? Because of your Egyptian. Watch this. Watch this. When he blasphemed, blaspheme is a legal thing. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a normal thing. That's why, watch this. I'm going to bless you. Shout with me. Blasphemy is a legal thing. Watch this. And when it's legal, watch this. The rules are different. Some stuff in the courtroom cannot be forgiven. Not because God the judge don't want to forgive it, but because the laws that are there. You got sin, transgression, iniquity, an abomination. God can forgive sin. God can forgive transgression. God will heal iniquity, but abomination, God will never change his mind. Watch this. Why? Why? Because it's a courtroom thing. And sometimes a courtroom thing can't be, nothing can happen. God said, this is what's going to happen. Watch this. Now you know what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And why there is not because the Holy Spirit won't forgive you, but because the courtroom won't forgive you for it. Watch this. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this. So, the man was kept in what? In custody. Shout with me. Custody. Okay. Look at this. Okay. He was kept in custody until what? Until the Lord's what? Will is what? Should become clear to them. Next verse, let me finish reading it in context. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp and tell all those who heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Then the entire community will do what? Will stone him to death. Next verse, watch this. Look at this. Say to the people of Israel, those who curse their God will be punished for their what? Turn me to Hebrews, last verse. Thank you, Father. Good stuff. Hallelujah. The book of, the book of Hebrews, because what we're going to do today, we're going we're gonna to sever some generational curses. Yeah. I know you're like, man, Pastor, I, I barely survived yesterday. Welcome to part two. We gonna see, I got, I got you delivered from the demons, but we gotta sever some generational curses, because if I, if we don't begin to sever the generational curses, when I come back, I'll have to deliver you again. You missed it. All right. Watch this. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Um, Hebrews. Is this God? All right. Look at this. Hebrews. Look at this chapter. This good stuff. <laughs> oh, look at this. Chapter 6. We're 16 and 18, and then we'll get into chapter 7. And then call you up, and then showtime. All right? Watch this. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 and 18. Watch this. God doesn't set you free because he loves you. He sets you free 
because the demands of justice have been satisfied. You miss that. That is why you keep crying, God, deliver me, God, deliver me, God, deliver me, and nothing happens. You want to know why? Because tears don't move God. Covenant does. Legality does. Crying all the time. Lord, Lord. And it don't happen. It don't happen. Why? Because your breakthrough is connected to a courtroom case. Satisfy the case and watch breakthrough begins to happen. See? See? How many of you ever, watch this, I'm going to show you how tears don't move God. Have you ever went to a service and said, Lord, speak to me, and nothing happened? But what happened? What? Tears don't move him. They move us because we relate to everything relationally. God doesn't relate everything relationally. You want to know why he doesn't relate to everything relationally? Because God is love and he would have a hard time relationally sending people to hell. You want to know why God is able to send people to hell? Because God looks at it legally. Even though he says, my heart is not willing that any should perish, but I still have to enforce eternal damnation legally, even though my heart doesn't want to. Okay, now watch this. Now, why does God have to view things legally? Watch this. Because our God changes his mind. Oh, God is not a man that he should lie, the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, wait a second. Who actually said that? God did not say that about himself, about how he's not a man and he doesn't change his mind. Balaam said that and Samuel said that. Men said that. God never said that about himself. You know how I know God changed his mind? Because when God made the rainbow for Noah, it was not for Noah, it was for himself. The Bible says when I see the rainbow, not when you see it, when I see it, I'll make sure that I never change my mind. You keep thinking, oh, rainbow. God is speaking to me. No, God is speaking to himself. Read it. God said, I put the bow in the clouds and whenever I see it, I will remind myself, no matter how mad I am, legally, to make sure that I'm held to my own law so I don't destroy the earth again with water. Wait, 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 let's go a step further. Let's go a step further. Do you know that God changed his mind with the children of Israel? He actually said to Moses, he said, Moses, get out of the way and watch me in 24 hours raise up a whole nother generation because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of these people. And watch this, I'll start all over and nobody would even have to know Moses. And Moses pulled a law on him. He said, Lord, if you do this, your name in the courtroom, they will say you took the people of Israel out to kill them. And God said, because you convinced me with one law on top of another law, I won't do it. But I'll send serpents. See? See? Why? Because God changes his mind. I know he changes his mind because it was God who picked Saul. And then he said, I regret that I picked Saul. Then why pick someone you regret? Because he changes his mind. So what keeps God in line to make sure that he follows through because God is a loving God and he's a good, good father. And how many of you know sometimes our children need the bailout of their life for what they did? But then you look at them and you go, and you start remembering how your mom used to give you the bailout. And how you used to say, when I have children, I will never give them the bailout that I used to get. And you back off. Our children get away with murder when you and I used to get beat downs. See? See? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So when God, watch this. This is leading to getting, breaking the curse. Watch this. When God, 
doesn't want to change his mind because he know I might change my mind. He binds himself with an oath. Look what it says. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Thank you, Father. Look at this. Verse 16 of chapter 6, verse 16. Now when people, look what it says. Now when people take a what? Take an oath. What do they do? They call on someone greater than themselves to do what? To hold them accountable. That is why you can settle an argument in the street by saying this. When they don't believe you. Man, that's word to my moms. You ever got into an argument and they don't believe you? You say, I swear on my grandmother's grave. What happens when you say that? Why do you do that? Because you're pulling now a legal thing. And when you say it, people believe you. Why? Because it's a courtroom thing. Because one law dominates a lesser law. So look at this. He creates an oath to hold them to it. And look what the verse says. And without question what? The, without question. The oath is binding. Which means no matter what happens, if there's an oath attached to it, watch this. No matter even if you get saved, if God has an oath against your family, baby, you got to resolve that in the courtroom. See, we say things like this. Oh, it, it goes away with the cross. Of course it goes away with the cross. The power of it goes away with the cross and you're able to walk out the Christian experience. But this is a legal thing. Salvation is an individual thing. You missed it. Okay, watch this. So, so here you are. Here you are. Watch this. Saved individual, but cursed. Courtroom. Wonder why you curse? It's not because you're cursed. You have a name. There's a name on you. I've been through five deliverances. I'm up for six. Because I know I need deliverance. Watch this. My fourth deliverance, we confronted, true story, the demons attached to my last name. Because my last name means heathen. You missed it. You missed it. See, my last name is Pagano. Pagani. The English version of Pagano. Pagano is someone who's a heathen. And when I confronted the demons attached to my last name in my deliverance session, 28 demons came out of me. You're not ready for that. You think I got to this level of global influence through social media? No. God had been breaking chains in my life for eons, each level. And he reveals when he knows that I'm ready, he'll reveal. And when I got to the point of my last name... There were demons attached to that, going back 28 generations. And here you are loving Jesus, but there's a curse on Lopez. Missed it. There's a curse on Rivera. There's a curse on Johnson. There's a curse on Wyatt. Why? You're saved, but, there's, but you're, you're carrying a name. And the name produces some legal stuff to happen. You know how I know a name can either curse you and bless you? Acts Mephibosheth. Where God, David said, who is still of the lineage of Jonathan that I could bless? And years later, he was blessed because of a name. Okay? Watch this. Watch this. And that's why you've been going through 50 deliverances and still haven't got a breakthrough. Well, I know why? Because the issue at this point is not individual. It's courtroom. It's courtroom. Watch this. Courtroom is so serious that God says, be careful of even calling somebody you fool. Because the Bible says you are, you are in danger of being brought before the court. See? Watch this. When your mama said what she said to you, and it's, it's crazy. We could, we could, watch this. We could get, we are strong against people who call us B's and F words. That don't bother us. But let your mama say, 
Why can't you be like someone else? And we carry that thing. Why? Because when she said it, it was a courtroom thing. And we're suffering years later over one thing, one small thing that somebody said. Why? Because it's not what they said, it's what it's connected to. It's a, the case has been open since you were nine. See? Huh? Watch this. You think you get offended because you want to get offended? No, you get offended so quickly because there's a case that's been open since you were young of offense. Watch this. Look at this. Look at the next verse quickly, quickly. We'll call you up. Watch this. Go to the next verse. Hebrews chapter. Look at this. Verse 17. Look at this. God also did what? God bound himself with what? With an oath so that those who received the promise, what, what? Look at this, look at this, could be perfectly sure that he will do what? <laughs> Watch this. So that means God changes his mind, but when he binds himself legally, he can't change his mind. See? So then how can you get a God to change his mind without changing his mind? It's not by crying to him. Why? Because the oath is what? We just read it. The oath is what? Binding. He can't change his mind even if he wanted to. That is why when David sinned, when David sinned, somebody had to die. You ever ask yourself, why didn't God kill David? Oh, uh oh. God didn't kill David, but God killed somebody. Watch this. Who did he kill? He killed that little boy. The first one where she was pregnant with. And what did David try to do? David went on fasting and prayer. And the Bible is clear. He was pleading. When we plead, that's a courtroom thing. And he didn't eat. He was trying to get God to change his mind. And God said no. Because God said this. If I change my mind, I got to kill you. See? Why? Because adultery is punishable by somebody had to die. See? So God said, I can't take it out on you, but I'll take it out on that baby. Right? Somebody had to die. Now, watch this. If you look at that relationally, you'd be like, man, God, what's your issue? When you look at it legally, you go, it makes sense. Right? So watch this. Watch this. Oh, you're going to get mad. So you think you got away with it because you got saved. Yeah, you got away with it. God passed over, Passover, 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 but a firstborn still has to die. So you get saved and you're here at Faith World loving Jesus. Amen. But you don't forget how evil you was. And people went on into eternity. And in eternity they're still pulling on the courtroom. So God says, I can't get you. Because when I look at you I see my son. But, but my courtroom system will find somebody in your family who doesn't look like my son. And I'll carry out what I need to carry out. You want to know why? Not because God is being mean, but because he is faithful and just. Eh? Eh? See, watch this. Is this good? Eh? Almost done. Watch this. Look at this. Look what the verse says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm rocking your theology right now. You already know this is a good apostolic house. Look at this. Watch this. Verse, verse, look at this. Verse 18. Verse 18. So God has given both his what? His promise, relational, and his oath, legal. Okay? Look at this. These two things are what? Unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Look at this. 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for what? Refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So how do you break this? We're at this level and then we'll do an altar call right after this. You can play something. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Verse 11. Look at this. Thank you, Father. So, if the priesthood of Levi, on which the what was based? The law was based, could have achieved the perfection that God intended, why did God need to establish a what? A different priesthood with the priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Aaron. Look at this last part and we're done. I'll call you up. Look at this. Watch this. Watch this. Next verse. Watch this. Look at this. This is going to bless you. How many of you want change? Talk about how many want real change? Real change. Crying out for change don't bring change. Nope. Nope. No, 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 no. That's not, how, that's not how this works. That's why years later, you haven't changed. <laughs> Be honest. I've been saved since 1992. Right? How many of you know some of us are still carrying little issues and you're like, man, all these years and I'm still kind of dealing with this little small area. And you, how many of you ever fasted and prayed for certain things and still you didn't? Let me talk to this group because they're real religious over here. Okay, so how many of you know you're still dealing with some stuff? Okay, watch this. Watch this. Okay, y'all don't want to admit it. I'll admit it by myself. I'm still jacked up a little bit. All right? Okay, watch this. Watch this. And I fasted and prayed and I've done certain things to try to change. And let me tell you what has actually happened. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Watch this. I still need to get delivered in my tongue. Now, I don't curse. But I could clap back real good. Right? <laughs> right? Okay. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I fasted. I've gone on 20-day fast, 10-day fast, just for God to control my tongue or control the way that I think. And I still haven't gotten delivered from certain stuff. Right? Right? Okay, so look at this. Years. I even went through a season where I felt God answers everybody's prayer but mine's. You ever felt like that and you keep crying out and nothing is happening and you start thinking about, maybe I'm not a Christian, right? And you start going through your little stinking thinking, a little Elijah cave, being you know, negative and all of that stuff. And you say, God, what is going on? And I pray and you say things like this, God, but I'm praying and I'm fasting. Why haven't you delivered me from this thing? Because that's not how this thing works. If you want to change something, you have to change the law that permits it. God wanted to establish a new priesthood, but he knew he couldn't. You want to know why? Because it was him who instituted Levi and Aaron. And then he realized Levi and Aaron are making a mess of everything. I need a new priesthood. But I can't come down and change it. Because why? It is impossible for me to lie. Then they're going to question why did I place them there from the very beginning. Right? So what do I do when I want to bring change? The verse here tells it that if I want to change the priesthood, I have to change the law that permits it. You just said, I want change. How many of you want change? Well, very simple. You don't cry out for change. Find the law that permits it, God changes the law that permits it and change happens by default. Watch this. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to show you how this works. God, well, we're on here. Okay. Okay. God can't change it. 
Because then his integrity is in question because if he just changes it whenever he wants, what else can he change? See, he does change through law. Watch this. When God curses a family, because God does curse families. If your family is all into witchcraft, there's a curse on your family. How many have family that's into santeria, you know, uh, all this stuff, witchcraft, all of that stuff, right? These are courtroom sins. These are great offenses before the Lord. And then God says, I put a curse on this family, not because I want to, I love them, but my court system forces me to reenact justice. Why? Because our family is evil, conniving, street life, thug life, jail life. That's where I come from, right? So God puts a curse on a family for whatever sin. Now, even if you don't come from a family like mine, your family could be Christian, but they're religious, nasty, mean Christians. They're legalistic Christians. They live a lie. There's hypocrisy. All of that stuff. And God puts a curse on a family. Now watch this. When God curses a family, the law won't allow him to bless that family. Wanna know why? Because the curse is there. So how does God begin to bless a family that he decides, I want to bless that family? You know what he does? He establishes a new law that's greater than the lesser law. He doesn't remove the law because that makes, that messes up the courtroom. So one law dominates a lesser law. So how does God work in your family when there's a curse on your family? He saves someone from the family. And a new law kicks in. Be ye saved. You and your household. Now I can work because there's a new law. So I, that's why Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You want to know why? Because another law is in place. That I will not allow the children, the children's trip, to suffer the penalty. Their fathers. The judgment is still there. So how do I work this? I can't come down because I look bad. Let me, let me find technicalities in my own law. So I'll decree a new law. Here's the new law. When they get saved, it'll give me legal right to not just bless them, but everyone connected in them. See? That is why, watch this, I'm going to tell you how. When you get saved, he gives you a new name. give you a new name because God loves families but there's all these legalities there and he goes man this family's doing bad 10 generations ago but I shouldn't have to let them suffer more than the fourth generation and you're in the sixth generation the church is still acting up the family's still acting up right and God is saying my judgment could only go four generations and you're in the fifth so God does what? He saves you. He puts a new law. Right? You get your sins forgiven. But now he says, he says this. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Which means even before you was born, I chose you. Which means I've been thinking about blessing your family two generations ago. But I was waiting for you to be born. And now you're born, but you're born into custody. Why? Because of all the debris that's on your name. I'm going to call you up front and we're going to pray. And we're going to sever generational curses today. If you feel that there's a curse on your family name, come up front. If you feel like there's generational curses in your bloodline, come up front. We're not going to take long with this, but you come up front. You come up front. You're going to represent you and you're going to represent your family and their bloodline. Come up front. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on. Come on. Come on front. We're going to renounce the demons and the curses attached to your last name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Father. Come on, come on. Let's fill this altar area as much as you can. Squeeze in. Come on, fill this area over here. Come on, fill it. Fill it as much as you can. We're not going to be long. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. How many of you can be honest? You know, I'm saved, love the Lord, but I feel like something's following. I feel like I'm in custody. There's something. I'm in custody to anger. I'm in custody to lust. I'm in custody to pornography. I'm in custody to negativity. I'm in custody to rebellion. I'm in custody to rejection. I'm in custody. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like ghosts are following me. At three o'clock in the morning, there's shadows running up and down my hallway. Or how about this? I'm fine, but my children are manifesting the demonic in their life. And how does this be? It's because I'm saved, but what's going on? There's something coming down the name. There's something coming down the name. We're going to address the demons attached to your last name to get our latest messages. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you on a regular basis to deliver to you the life-giving Word of God. Until next time, God bless you.